listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Uh, We've been in a series entitled Follow Me, and I hope you've been enjoying that. We're going to finish up next week. It should be exciting. But our next series is very similar, very related Uh, Excited uh, to hear quite a bit of conversation this morning about the Holy Spirit. And so we will be talking in depth over the next few months about the Holy Spirit, who he is, and his function in our lives. And uh, we we wouldn't be able to take a step without the Holy Spirit because in reality, as we follow Jesus, he is where? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so really when we follow Jesus, we are following the leadership of the Holy Spirit who is here on earth. And as a believer, he is placed inside of your your being when you say yes to following him. And so we'll jump into that series in a few weeks after our women's conference, which is going to be awesome. Now, guys, there's a spot for you to get involved and to be able to help out. So, uh, And you'll you'll get something out of the messages, too. Uh, We'll record all of that. But get signed up. Bring a friend. Fill this room with people. We've got great speakers coming. So we're excited about that. Um, Today, we're doing what we call a three-by-ten. It's where we give three speakers 10 minutes each. And today, we've especially leaned into our interns. Um, I'm at the season of life where, you know, I love the church, and we've been involved with so many different things in the church world. And I know that this next season, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. Uh, I got the, I'm like 95, but look at me, I got the body of a 40-year-old. So that being said, Rowena and I know we have a few more years, good years of serving the church, but we really want to focus on the younger crowd, not now not saying that we won't focus also on the older crowd, my age, but we especially want to give opportunity for young adults, uh, young marrieds, uh, even older teenagers to get involved with leadership, ministry, to learn how the church works and functions. Um, it's very rare in a lot of churches for anybody to come up on this platform unless you're on staff. And I think that that's, I, I, I come out of churches like that, but We miss such a great opportunity to see others step into their ministry. God's called all of us to preach his word. It might not always happen on the platform, but certainly we need to be able to get up and declare God's word into other people's lives. And so um, focusing in on the young adults in our church, the young marrieds in our church, older teenagers in our church will help us to build the church, not for the future, but for today. And so that as uh, my generation steps aside and others step into the place to build and plant churches, that we won't be surprised when that day comes. It will actually in the process of building now. And so we started our internship in January and invited students to invest in themselves and also us to invest in them to pour in biblical study, ministry training. There's uh, accountability within the process. There's training for speaking and teaching. There's training for even personal devotions. And it's been really, really good. And today we've set up to have three of our speakers speak on the topic of Follow Me, but they are going to speak from a little bit different angle. They're going to be speaking on the idea of follow me anyway. And that's a message pointed at someone who maybe has a reason for saying, you know what, I don't know that I want to follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've dealt with a lot of people through the years who have said, yeah, that's really not for me. And I love to ask the question, but why? And there's a whole host of different reasons that are given. And so our speakers today will be speaking uh, on what the biggest excuse that they've seen or maybe grappled with themselves to be able to maybe challenge some of you who are struggling with making a decision to follow Jesus or maybe just giving you the information and some of the scripture 
on how to maybe approach someone who has that reason for not following. Um, truthfully, uh, Jesus invites all people to follow after him, and an excuse is the gate that keeps them from experiencing all the good things that he died for their life to experience. And so sometimes having a word, having truth, will help them to open that gate and step in to a life of following Christ. Amen? Amen. So we are going to go in order, and why don't you give a big hand as Alana Felix makes her way up here to the platform. One of my favorite people. Come give me a big hug. This is the party at the party at all times. Go ahead, Alana. Okay, good morning, guys. I'm so excited to be kicking off our 3x10s this morning. Really excited to have this opportunity up here. Super nervous, but mostly excited. Um, shout out to the lights guy. Hopefully I don't look like a like tomato, you know. So the title um, of my message is Follow Me, Even If It Means Relinquishing Control. And I'm going to take a little page out of Abby's book and start by giving you a definition. So I looked up the definition of relinquish, so that way I kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, and it said that it means to voluntarily cease to keep her claim. And I was like, okay, wow, like voluntarily, like God's not going to come up to you and like grab you by the neck, shove your face in the dirt, like follow me, do it, do it, do it. He's not, he's not doing that. He's, you know, I like to imagine him, he's like just sitting in his chair, catching up on prayers, reading his Bible, you know, just hanging out. And he is waiting for you to approach him, step into his presence and be like, hey, I need your help. I want to follow you. I want you in my life. He is not like... 30 minutes away, you got to get in your car and drive. Maybe you're low on gas. Like, no, he's right there. He's in your living room. He's right there. He is laying on his stomach, kicking his feet, like, hey, like, I'm just ready. I'm waiting for you to come talk to me. Like, so <laughs> I am going to tell you um, how you can step into his presence, how you can do that, and also why you should do that. So the first thing, pray to him. Pray out loud to him. Just, you know, call out to him. Go, go reach out to him. And um, the verse that I have for that is Matthew 7, 8. And it says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Boom. You just ask, and you will receive. You just knock on that door, and it will be open to you. Just call out to him. He's going to come. He's not scared of you. He is, like, excited. Like, he's like, oh, my gosh, like, I, I want to talk to you and interact with you so bad. You just need to ask me for it because I'm not going to force myself into your life. So the second thing is asking for help, surrendering to him. And uh, the first verse I have for that is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And it says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Boom. Give it to him, okay? You know, you are struggling. You need help. You need guidance. Ask him for it. His, his burden is light, okay? He wants to take that from you. He's going to take that from you. But again, you have to go to him. And the next verse that goes along with that is uh, Philippians 4, verse 19. It says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every single need, okay? You ask him for it, there it is. 
every single need, no matter big or small, okay? You're feeling nervous about speaking up here like I was. He's going to give you that peace. He's going to relieve that anxiety. Maybe it's something bigger like your finances. He's going to bless you for it. Um, the next thing is um, lifting your hands. Lifting your hands, that's a little bit awkward, um, but it's really easy to do. Lifting your hands when you're praying. Lifting your hands when you're worshiping. If you're worshiping and you're like this, like you are not going to get anything out of it compared to if your hands are raised and you're really, really praising him. So the first time that I raised my hands was a little bit intense for me. <laughs> um, I've always grown up in the church. Like I was raised Catholic until I was like nine and it was weird. Um, for a while, I went to like a gospel church, maybe like a year, year and a half, a lot of energy in the room. Um, and I did not really participate didn't clap my hands, didn't sing the songs. My parents would constantly be like, hey, like, get into it, you know? And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so when I was about 11 or 12, I came to this church, and everybody during worship raising their hands. And I thought that was just bizarre. Like, that's so weird. I'm not going to do that. I think my siblings and I probably, like, made fun of them. Um, but... After going to this church for a couple of years, I remember one Sunday I was sitting away from my parents and I decided, you know what, I'm going to raise my hands. Like, what's the big fuss about? You know, I can't really be like, oh, it doesn't work if I've never tried it, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just during worship, I'm just going to lift my hands. And I did it and boom, like this gust of wind, like punch to the gut just hit me. And in that moment, I saw like this internal vision and heard a voice tell me, like, you are going to be up there leading. And I immediately was like, no way. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to sing in front of people. I don't sing. Like, that is not my thing. Absolutely not. Um, but I did want to start getting involved with my church. So I probably sent, like, 10 emails, I think, into Leslie about, like, oh, I want to volunteer for this position. Nothing. <laughs> I think, <laughs> which then is going to lead me to my next point that it is not by your timeline. It is never going to be by your timeline, which is a hard pill to swallow for somebody that wants to be in control. You got to give that up. Like, you just can't. So I finally, after three years of being like, yeah, I want to get involved, I had mentioned in, like, just casual conversation to one of the leaders in our church that I started singing. I joined the choir at my school, and I really enjoyed it. And he immediately marched me up to the worship director at the time, which I think was Stevie. And Stevie was like, okay, great. Like, let's get you an audition. And I was like, Ugh. But it obviously worked out very well. Um, but the reason that I needed to wait those few years is because I needed to learn just like things about music. I needed to learn what it was like to sing in front of people. And like, if I did not learn certain things that I learned in those three years, like I probably would have either never joined the worship team or I would have quit because I wouldn't have understood certain things about it that would have helped me. And it's very similar um, to the story of Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 17, 16, God is talking to Abraham, and he says, I will bless her, Sarah, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. I 
think it was like, I had to look it up because I wasn't entirely sure, but it was like 15 years, if not more, that that promise, until that promise of having a son was fulfilled. That is a long time, like 15 years, oh my goodness. But he did fulfill that promise, and it wasn't by their ideal timeline. Sarah even says in the Bible, like, she laughed at him and was like, dude, no way. But it happened, and it was good. And so I want to finish off with my little call to action verse is Luke 22, 42 through 43. And this is... Jesus, like before he's getting crucified, that whole thing. Um, And it says, he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. So what I want to challenge you to do this week is going into it. When you find that you have something that is like really heavy on your shoulders, you're worried, you're stressed, give that to him. Surrender that control. Relinquish that control to him because he is going to carry it way easier than you could. Step aside, you know, let him be God in your life. So when that comes to you, I want you to, you know, whatever it is, I want you to lift your hands first and I want you to say, God, I relinquish control to you so that your will be done. That's it. Just let God step in. Let him take care of that. Don't try to be God in your own life because that is not going to work. I have tried it. does not work. It's messy. So, yeah, just step aside. Let God be God. Um, Thank you so much. And I want to introduce our next speaker, Chance. Hello, my name is Chance, if you don't know me. Um, that, was, that was awesome, Alana. Um, i just like to thank you guys for the opportunity to be here and uh, the opportunity to be an intern. Uh, if you're kind of thinking about that, it's been pretty much life-changing for, through the past like month already. Um, but I got only nine minutes and 30 seconds, and I got <laughs> too much information, so let's get into it. Um, the title of my message is Follow Me Even Though You Don't Believe My Word. Um, so I had a conversation with, with a friend recently, um, and they told me that they didn't really want to come to church because they didn't believe that the Bible was really God's word. Um, so I, I was kind of pondering that, and I looked it up on my phone, of course, and... I got to Google, and it said that there's not one point in the Bible where it actually talks about, where it directly says that the, the three words, it is God's word, or the four words, sorry. It doesn't directly say that. But I have about four points to show you why that's wrong. <laughs> and, and what you can do with it. Um, so we're going to kind of do a little history dive um, first, you have to know that Jesus was a real human. He was an actual person in history. So let's go to 160 AD. We're going to go to the Phlegon, the ancient Egyptian uh, historian. So 
here's an early manuscript of Origen, Contract, Selsum, quoting an ancient historian named Phlegon. Yeah. Okay. Ascribed to Jesus a knowledge of future events, but also testified that the result corresponded to his predictions. So it's saying that Jesus prophesied and that all the things that he prophesied were true. So that's, that's in history. In history. Okay. We got that? Okay. Cool. And with regard to the eclipse in the time of Tiberius Caesar, this is when Jesus died, in whose reign Jesus appears to have been crucified, and the great earthquakes which then took place, Phlegon to, I think, has written in the 13th or 14th book of his Chronicles. Jesus was crucified, all the, the thing was torn, earthquakes, and then the solar eclipse. Okay, we got that part. It's in history. It's, it happened. <laughs> we have in the preceding pages made our defense according in our ability, adducing the testimony of Phlegon, who relates that these events took place at the time when our Savior suffered, and he goes on to say that Jesus, while alive, was of no assistance to, assistance to himself, but that he arose after death and exhibited the marks of his punishment and showed how his hands had been pierced by nails. Jesus was a real person. He died on the cross, earthquakes, veil torn, solar eclipse, resurrection, hands, nails. Are we tracking? We're tracking, right? Okay. Okay, I don't have much time, sorry. <laughs> um, now that brings me to my second point. So now we know that Jesus fulfilled prophecies based on history, hard, cold facts right here. Um, so let's kind of look at the math of the prophecies. First, we're going to look at just one prophecy. Let's look at the just Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Let's, what, what do you think the chance of that would be? One in 300,000, just for him to be born in Bethlehem. Okay. Um, now, if we took eight of those, let's see, if we took eight of those prophecies, and if they were to be fulfilled, keep in mind these prophecies are from like 400, whatever, 500 years before. Um, so, where's my numbers here? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, for, for Jesus to fulfill eight of these prophecies would be one to the one in ten to the seventeenth power. That's seventeen zeros. Yeah, that's a big number. <laughs> and they came true, like all four hundred and how many is it? Okay, three hundred something of Jesus's prophecies came true in the Bible. Okay, now let's get to a big number here. Oh, let me. Hold on. Let me explain. Let's give a little bit more like perspective on the 10 to the 17th power. Let's fill the entire state of Texas with two feet of silver dollars and mark one of them. And Trish is going to go up into the sky and she's going to throw down a grappling hook or whatever. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> throw down a grappling hook and she has to grab the one marked silver dollar out of the entire state of Texas. Okay. Cool. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Okay, and now let's get to the biggest number that I got here. So this is, oh, and by the way, this is all from a uh, from Westmont College by a professor named. Uh, oh, it's not named. Sorry. Okay. So let's say forty-eight of these prophecies 
out of the 350-something. Okay, that's a big number, by the way. 48 of these prophecies tend to the 157th power. That's 157 zeros. I wasn't going to write that out on my notes. <laughs> and so that kind of brings me to my third point. So now we know Jesus was a real human. His prophecies were fulfilled. The chance of those prophecies were very slim, but it was God's word. So God's word, the Bible, says it's his word. So let's jump to 1 Corinthians 2.13. Keep in mind, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. This is part of the Bible. He's writing the Bible, right? Like half of it or whatever. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians through God. He's not writing to the Corinthians. God is writing to the Corinthians, right? Because God wrote the Bible. Okay. Second um, Peter 1, 20, 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, you guys, you guys tracking, right? Okay, cool. Second, I don't have much time. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So not only is God's word true, but you have to follow his word because it's his word. It's what he tells you to do. <laughs> And so I kind of took this and I was like, okay, what's a moment in my life where that's kind of been the story where God's word was true? Um, so that brings me to my fourth point. When I pray, I receive God's blessings, like tenfold too. It's that simple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Okay. There's been many times in my life where I've prayed, like, extensively, and I've just received, like, way more than I even asked for. Recently, um, when I, right when we kind of moved into the building, I was praying for a new job because my job just, I wasn't getting paid that much. And I was just praying about it, praying about it, because this I was new to prayer. I was new to all this. I was just praying. And then Abby was like, hey, go talk to Jay. <laughs> and I went up to Jay, and he's like, yeah, I got something for you. And he was excited. He was like, and then I think, what, two weeks? Yeah, two weeks, and I was there. And I was making way more money, and I was using it all. <laughs> For good things, in Jesus. <laughs> um, and then a more recent story, I'm going to do this real quick. Uh, my aunt, the last week, my great aunt, we were praying for her at interns, and the next day she, she had a perforated ulcer, and the next day she got out of the hospital. There's a quick little story for you. You ask, and you will receive. Um, so in conclusion, God's word is true because... I see his word coming to life in my life, and I can use that 
to my advantage. Um, so listen to God, what God has to say, and I challenge you to do so even if it's necessarily not what you wanted to hear. And that, like, if it's you're out of line, like, God's word says you're out of line, you should listen to him. Okay, that's all I have. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And i just like to bring up Jaleese. Good morning. Can we just give another round of applause for both Alana and Chance? Like, good job. <laughs> I'm so thankful for the opportunity that I get to stand up here and speak. Never in a million years did I ever think that this was something that I would do. My hands also tell you that it's something I never thought I would do. Um, but I'm so grateful for being a part of this church and being part of the internship um, and the opportunities that are arising from that. With that said, let me just hop into it because, again, this time goes a lot faster than I thought it would. Um, <clears throat> so my message today is follow me even though you're mad at me. How many of you have ever been mad at God? Yeah, so four of us. Great. Um, <clears throat> well, let me tell you a little bit about my story. So I grew up in the church. I was filled with Christ my whole life up until a point. <laughs> I was gung-ho for God, and all I wanted was to be in his presence. Some things happened when I was younger. My parents got divorced. They stopped going to church. I was like, nope, I need God. And my dad made sure that I had that. I went to youth group five days a week, and he drove me five days a week. Um, and so I stayed strong. Even when my brothers turned away and they made it difficult, I was like, no, I need God. I need God. And um, so I stayed strong even when it was hard. Um, so you might be asking yourself, that doesn't sound like you were angry. No, I wasn't. Not at that time. But this is where my story truly, truly begins. Um, in July of 2013, um, my mom got really sick. And she had an autoimmune disease, autoimmune hepatitis. And she was in and out of the hospital a lot. And every time, oh, I just got stuck on my shirt. Um, every time that she would go into the hospital, she would bounce back 100%. We're like, oh, God is, I would say, God is good. God's got her. She's good. Um, but this time was different, and I could feel that. Um, so she was, ended up in critical care unit, and so I had gone out to Boise and um, spent a few days with her, praying over her, reading scripture with her, just, um, you know, asking God, like, you've got her. You've got her. It's going to be good. Um, well, on the 11th day, she was in the, in the critical care unit for 11 days. On the 11th day, um, we had to make that horrible gut-wrenching choice to take her off of life support. Um, but that day, I spent the entire day like, God, please, begging, pleading, don't take her. <laughs> um, and once we took her off life support, she lived for 16 minutes. Um, and then she was gone. And I could feel a shift the minute that she took her last breath. I was, I was angry. How could you take her? How could you take her from me? I needed her. But one thing to remember is that God does not want to see his people die. Um, <clears throat> we see in Hebrews 2.14 that the devil is the power of death. And that's his last strike. I got you. This is it. And then he's going to make you think 
that that's God. And it's not God. God welcomed my mom, but God did not call my mom. Thanks for that, Kim. <laughs> so let's talk about a story in the Bible um, that really stood out to me. Um, David and Uzzah. Um, and if you don't know that name, I didn't either um, until I started doing this. But um, David and Uzzah were... Um, taking the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and with given in specific instructions of how to do it. Um, so the story really resonated with me because it's at the beginning in First Chronicles 13, verse 8. They're celebrating God. They love God. They're worshiping. They're singing. They're playing music. Um, and that was like the beginning of my life. Yes, God, God, God. Um, the Ark of the Covenant became unbalanced on the cart that they didn't build properly um, the way that God had asked them to do it. Um, Uzzah reached out to touch the Ark, and uh, he was struck down and died. Um, at that point, in verse 11, David became angry with God. And if you know that feeling, you know it. It's like, oh. Um, but then in verse 12, immediately after that anger, David became afraid of God. Um, and in verse 13, ultimately, David walked away from God. He was like, done. And I know that feeling. Um, it's not a great one. <laughs> um, but he walked away for three months, um, left the Ark of the Covenant. God blessed the house where the Ark of the Covenant was left because he knew God's like, this is temporary. You're not going to stay mad at me forever, <laughs> which is great. So he walked away for three months. Um, so for me, when I walked away from God, uh, I went down a really dark path. I made horrible decisions. Um, and then there was a point, there were multiple points where I'm like, I need to get back. I need to get back to God. But there was always something in my ear saying, nah, you're too far gone. <laughs> you're not worthy. You can't go back to God. He doesn't want you anymore. And what was that? That wasn't God saying that. That wasn't me. That was the enemy. <laughs> that was the enemy still trying to get in me. Um, so I kept down that path. Um, for over eight years, I kept down that path. And um, I thought I was living a pretty good life. <laughs> you know, things were all right. Um, so I was living, but I wasn't living God's will for me. Um, because I was letting that anger, which really, if you think about it, it wasn't anger. It was more I was hurt. I felt hurt for my loss. Um, so I kept going down that path, and I, it wasn't a great path. Um, but here's a turning point. God still loves us. God still wants us. God still is there for us. Um, in First Chronicles 14, uh, 14 through 16, David reached back out to God for help. He knew that there was, there was trouble coming, and he knew that he couldn't do it on his own. He needed God to help him. Um, so he reached back out, and despite their hiccup, um, he did what God wanted him to do. And ultimately, um, God's plan um, for his life, for his um, for this battle prevailed, and they won that battle together. And then David went on to fight more battles um, and win more battles with God. Um, and then in First Chronicles sixteen eleven, it says, "Look to the Lord and His strength, 
Seek his face always. Now the Hebrew word for face refers to God's holy and favorable presence. So you're not looking for a face. What do you look like? We won't know. But you're looking for his presence. So seek his presence. Um, And it says seek his presence always. So always, continually, daily, regularly, without interruption. Um, so David did learn a couple of lessons through God, um, through the or from God through the death of Uzzah. Uh, God is holy, and we need to ask Him how He wants us to do His work, not try and do it on our own. God will never leave us or forsake us, as we see in Deuteronomy 31.6, Joshua 1.5. Even though we're angry, even if we walk away, he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. God was still with me through my anger and my hurt. Um, In Matthew 18.12, it talks about leaving the 99 to find the one who strayed. Um, And boy, am I glad. (laughs) Boy, am I glad that that's how God works, that he sees one of his people walk away and he's like, nope, you guys are good here. Let me go get the one that needs me. Um, So, yes, I strayed for over eight years. um, But in the last 11 months, um, my life has done a complete 180, completely. (laughs) Um, In February of last year, thank you, yes, (laughs) Um, In February of last year, I went to Peru, and my friend there prayed over me that I would find a church here, that I would find a church home um, in Vancouver, because I I didn't have one, and I wasn't wasn't even looking. (laughs) Um, In March, Kim invited me to come to church with her for her birthday, and so we came, we saw, and we stayed. I got engaged, I got married, (laughs) I'm on worship team, worshiping God, I'm a C3 um, intern and learning um, to be a leader here, Um, I'm here speaking, (laughs) what? Um, So my life went from being mediocre to being more than I have ever dreamed of or could ever imagine it had been because I got realigned with God. Um, (laughs) I'm so sorry, I've gone over, but let me just... (laughs) This last point, this is just a challenge for you. Um, if there is any pain, any hurt, um, any anger that you're holding on to, I challenge you to find a leader here today um, to pray with you, to pray over your situation. Um, you can try and do it on your own, but I promise you, God can do it better. Um, in Philippians 2, 12 through 13, God lays the responsibility on us to work in partnership with him. So once you let go of whatever you're holding on to, you will see God show up in ways that you didn't know that he could. Um, and then finally, seek his presence and do it daily. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 